What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac plus one tonight. We have a new voice. You guys have not heard her before. I'm hoping that she will be on with us pretty frequently here moving forward. We'll see how everything goes with her schedule. But I know that we're going to have her on more than once. Candice, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm great, man. It's excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. We are going to post game, doing a post game. I'm lost already, just getting started, and I'm stumbling. The Grizzlies beat the Detroit Pistons 132 to 107. These guys are going to have to carry me to the get through the game. I told them beforehand that I missed a lot of it because of my little girl. She was just not having it. But I have faith in Isaac and Candace. They can carry me through the game. And on top of that, we've got a lot to discuss. The trade deadline has come and gone. The Grizzlies didn't yeah. make any moves. Yep. Uh, team no trade. There are a lot of happy people because there are a ton of fans that did not want the Grizzlies to make a move. They got what they wanted. Isaac, what were your thoughts on the game tonight, man? Um, it, it was the game where it was one of those kind of you, we just showed up and we won. I mean, it's the Grizzlies are just so much better. Uh, the Detroit team actually had some some guys move out. Josh Jackson uh, was was moved on in a trade. Uh, of course, Kate Cunningham was out for the game game tonight. So uh, the Grizzlies, and it's weird for for you look at this final score, 132-107, and you look at these numbers and you think the Grizzlies played this great game. And actually, they didn't play fantastic tonight. They were just right. that much that much better than the Pistons. I mean, the defense, point of attack defense wasn't great tonight. I mean, there were times where Pistons getting straight line drives, going straight to the basket, untouched for two-headed jams. I mean, and that's something that we hadn't really seen for this Grizzlies team. But I think it, a lot of it, I think, was just pure boredom. I think they just knew they were better than this team and just didn't put in the, the same effort that they would put in some other games. And, I mean, that, that's fine. You still win 132-107, but you just don't want to develop any bad habits. Because, I mean, if you do that on Saturday night against the Hornets, it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Isaac. I I'd say the the fourth the first quarter I think they started off fine they had a lot of energy I think coming out of it and then the, yeah. there was a second and third quarter just lull I mean it just it just sort of dragged on you could tell they were kind of sleepwalking through it and I I think they woke up a little bit the the Pistons sort of went on a little bit of a run there to give them a, a slight scare so they put a little more effort into that fourth quarter to yeah. finish things out but but yeah uh, you you could tell they just they they were better than the team they knew it they played like it didn't put in a hundred percent effort tonight. The Grizzlies shot the, the crap out of the ball, Mike, 50% from three, 15 from 30. So, you know, that is going – anytime that you shoot 50, 50% from three, that's going to yeah, win. That's going to propel you. And, yeah. you know, against an inferior team, it, it's it's a little scary, right, because early in the season and, and part of last season, the Grizzlies would play down the competition. We would see them lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to because they would have these these moments where they just kind of checked out. And um, Brevin talks about it on the broadcast a lot. He's like, you can't cheat the game. You've got to respect the game. And yeah. these guys, you know, even though the Pistons are a, a team, you know, bottom of the league at 12 and 43, they're still NBA players. And you don't get to the NBA if you can't play. You know, going back to even like the, the Lakers versus the Blazers game. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, like <laughs> there's no way that Portland team should beat Los Angeles. But you cannot beat another NBA team if three out of your five starters are checked out. And the little bit of that game that I watched, it didn't look like AD was engaged. It didn't look like LeBron was engaged. That there was just a disconnect there, and it come back to bite them. 
And there's a lot of turmoil going on in Los Angeles. We're not going to dive in that. This is not a Lakers podcast, <laughs> but you know, like they, they have to respect the game. And just like Isaac said, if they go into that Hornets game and they let their foot off the accelerator, they may find themselves in trouble. Yeah. Cause that, that Hornets team is kind of weird because you'll watch them sometime and they look like a, a butterfly playoff team. Like they can put points on the board. They have guys that can, can really score with Gozier, uh, Rozier, uh, Hayward, uh, PJ Washington is a, is a guy that I that I really like. Uh, Bridges, I mean, they have a lot of talent on that team, and honestly, they should probably be better than they are. Uh, and, and at night, they look like that team that they should be. And then other nights, you get a a bad effort from them, and they just look like a lottery team. But you just never know. But they those guys, you have to guard them. Like you, you can't let those guys get free runs to the basket the way that they were letting Detroit fit tonight. Because if not, man, they'll they'll beat you. They came in FedEx form here earlier this season and kind of put it on the Grizzlies there. So they kind of they kind of owe them one, uh, but but again, man, it it's crazy to be sitting here with uh, look at this box score, look at the numbers. Uh, you win the game one thirty two one oh seven going away, and said that they didn't play their best game, but we've seen much better effort, especially on a defensive end from this Grizzlies team. But David touched on field goals, they forty four ninety two for forty seven point eight percent. One one weird thing about tonight that you usually don't see in a Grizzlies box score. David and I talked about that on here before is. Detroit had more shots up than them tonight. Detroit 41 of 94. Uh, Grizzlies end up making more shots at 44. Uh, but but usually the Grizzlies, the way they kind of win games is they get offensive rebounds, they get extra possessions, they get extra shots up. And, and that wasn't the case tonight. Uh, for three-point range, uh, Grizzlies go 15 of 30 for 50%. Detroit 7 of 35 uh, for 20%. Pistons is plus 5 in attempts, but Grizzlies are plus 8 in makes. So that's a a big difference there. The free throw line, kind of the same thing. Grizzlies double them up from the strike. Uh, Grizzlies 29 of 42. Not a great percentage, still 69%. That's kind of been an Achilles heel of this Grizzlies team. As of late, uh, Detroit 18 of 21 for 85.7%. Uh, but Grizzlies, like I said, double them up in attempts, plus 21 in attempts, plus 11 in makes. So when you look at three-pointers and free throws, Grizzlies come out with a net 35 points. And if anytime you do that, the opponent's going to have a hard time beating you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I want to go back to a point that you mentioned, Isaac, in terms of the, the the Charlotte Hornets. You know, that that team reminds me a lot of how you know the Grizzlies started off at the beginning of the year. You know, they look there'll be some nights they come out, they'd be completely dominant. And then there'd be some nights that we just get blown out by by more than 20. And so definitely. Uh, I, I definitely think that that th- this next game has got to be a better effort overall. I mean, I'm glad they got the win. And, you know, it looks good on like you said, it looks good in the box office. But if we can get a little bit more effort from this team and against the uh, against the Hornets, then I, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, and and the Hornets just added an, a huge energy guy and Montrez Harrell as a trade deadline. Yeah, gives gives them another big. That is one they've been area. looking for one. Yeah, that's you know if you look at that team, you, Isaac talked about Rozier and Hayward and, and Ball. You know, you look at that team, it's like okay, the big man is the weakness, and that that's you know. Um, I always mix up the Plumley brothers. Is it Mason that's there, right? Yeah, Mason. Yeah, yeah. I always so, you know, he he is a he's a starting caliber NBA center, but that just never felt like that was going to be their long term guy. And you had a guy like Carroll, he he is a guy that can almost will his team. You know, like he's got that type of motor that if if a team slacks off a little bit. Harold's going to be there to, you know, kind of his, his team's going to feed off of his energy and, you know, look, look at what that Clippers team done, you know, when they were ravaged and everybody's like, okay, this, this team is tanking. They end up making the playoffs and, and played well in the playoffs. 
And a lot of that was because of the motor, the energy, and what Harold was bringing to the table. So going to be interesting to see how he, uh, you know, how he kind of melds with that team. And if he's even available to play tomorrow night, you know, generally after a trade, you don't see them playing the first night. But um, it's either way, even if he is not there, the Hornets are dangerous enough without him that the, the Grizzlies definitely have to take this game seriously. Yeah, and Harold's been a Grizzly over the years. He's been – every time they play against the team that he's on, he's had a big game. He's with, with the Wizards or, or back when he was with the Clippers. He's always seemed to play really well uh, against the Grizzlies and puts in good efforts. Because like, like you said, he's a guy that you're always going to get 110%. I mean, he doesn't always – he's not always the most efficient, not going to necessarily put a lot of points on the board, but he's going to work. And if you don't – if you're not ready to go, man, he's going to outwork you. But speaking of a big man, man, what about Steven Adams and I had – might have maybe his best game of the season. I mean, offense, he had 16 points, 14 rebounds, big double-double, five assists, a block, six of six of nine from the field, four of nine from the free throw line, 26 minutes, plus eight. I mean, he was all over the board tonight. And, man, some, some nice putbacks, some nice scores inside. A lot of those this year he hasn't been able to finish, but seemed to be able to finish all of them tonight, man. He was super efficient, man, and he's been fantastic as of late. And to get 16 points from him, that's, that's always going to be a big plus, man. I love what I saw out there from him tonight. He was a big part of this victory. Yeah, I, I think he pretty much carried that first quarter. I, I think it's pretty much every every bass that's going to Steven Adams in it. Like you said, he was finishing like in, in in just a variety of ways. I was really impressed with just, you know, some of the hook shots and, you know, some of the other things that kind of look, you know, semi-awkward when it goes down for him. I mean, everything just w- went, went smoothly tonight. So it was great to see from him tonight. You're looking at triple-double watch from him in the first, a yeah. little bit of the yeah. first that I was able to to pick up in between the technical difficulties there. I'm like, okay, look at Adams go. And that's, you know, the, the assist kind of dropped off there toward the end, but definitely, definitely a good game from him. The Grizzlies have, have a streak going here. This is their third straight game winning by 20 or more points. This ties a franchise record for longest streak. That happened in 2005, November 26th through December, uh, December 2nd, 2005. 130 points for three state straight games. Three straight games, yeah. For, first time that's ever happened. That you know, before this, they they um had never done it twice. Um, and then the rebounding, they're, they're rebounding at you know, like franchise history, they're at 6.1 and they're the rebounding differential this year. And the franchise record was from 2009 2010, and they were plus 3.8. So they're they are you know on pace to absolutely destroy that record. Um, so, so that leads me into. Um, an important question. What do you think right now, this team, is this team better than the 2012-2013 Western Conference Finals Grizzlies? Man, I honestly think they are. Um, and I know it, that might be recency bias. I mean, we see this team, and it's definitely a different kind of team. You go back to those grit and grind teams, it's a completely, completely different style. Uh, they're winning games uh, 84 to 83. Uh, they were most of the games were closed. There a lot of games where they trailed and they were able to come back and pull it out and win because of the tough defense they, they played. Not a lot of offensive fireworks, not seeing three-pointers and, and, and alley-oops or anything like that. And we appreciated it. I appreciated that basketball. It was a kind of a different game. The game's even involved even since then. Uh, going back eight years ago, it's kind of a different game. But this team is a lot more exciting. And I think the ceiling of this team is higher. And the reason why is because of John Morant. Uh, those teams, we, we love Mark. We love Mike. We love Tony. Uh, we love Zebo, but none of those guys were 
superstar players. At, at times, they, they could carry you in games, but Ja's a guy where he can carry you for stretches that he can do it on pretty much a nightly basis. Um, and, and you can go to the unique basket at the end of the game. It's called called way up, man. That's kind of kind of what it's been. So I think the ceiling for this team is higher. Um, and, and I've been kind of on their watch. That game won. That team won fifty six games, and I think this team can pass that. Um, I, I can kind of think they might have to go eighteen and seven from here. I want to say I haven't updated them. They, they're winning so much. I haven't even looked at the, the actual total of what they're at now. Is that 38, 39 wins? 30, um, they have to get to fifty seven. Thirty nine. Okay, yeah, they got to get to fifty seven. So that would be 18, 18 and seven. I was right on it. 18-7 down the stretch to, to break that record. And I think they have a chance to do it. And, again, I just think that athleticism and, and, that they have right now and, and the scoring ability, I think, makes them superior to that 12-13 team. I know that's, that's big praise uh, for, for a young basketball team that we're watching right now. But, again, man, third best record in the West. I think this is something special of the likes that we've never seen before here in Memphis. Yeah, I have to completely agree with Isaac. I, I think – one thing that, that makes this team unique is just the versatility that, that you have in different positions. And I know, um, you know, Mark and, and Mike and all of them had their respective roles, but, but I, I think this team, you know, the ceiling, the sky's the limit really. And, and I think the thing, the main difference, I think between the feelings back in the grit and grind days and now it's just that this really is just the beginning. And so I think yeah. that does factor into it and, and you have to factor it into um, where this team can go. And, and is this a better team? Yeah, it, it's really tough, and I know that they're like, there's definitely going to people be people that argue. I think the grit and grind team, just because oh, you know, this, team, right. this team has not yeah. done anything yeah. in the playoffs yet, right? So like first round exits, that's the best that they've done. But heading into that postseason, were you expecting that team to get into the Western Conference Finals? No, and, and the way they got there is they caught a break because um, I think Russell Westbrook was out for the Thunder and they were able to get out of that second-round series. And that's kind of how they were able to make it there. But I don't think anybody thought – they were always a team that you kind of felt like, okay, they're probably not as good as these top-tier teams, but if something breaks right in the playoffs, they could get there. Uh, but And you always knew with that team, those guys were older. Zach was older. Tony was getting up there. Mark was – in his 30s, you kind of knew there was a ceiling on that and it was going to come to an end. And as Candace said a minute ago, the difference with this team is they're already this good, and this feels like just the beginning. They, like, they're just scratching the surface of what they're going to be. We, we're pretty sure that at some point they're going to add a, another significant piece to this team. And I think this is something that we could see going on for the next 10 years. I think we have a, a bunch of guys in this locker room. I don't think any of these guys are, are jetting and rushing to get out of here for – Bright Elias and free agency, looking toward free agency, trying to get out of here. This, it's so special. I mean, we talk about this all the time, cliche with team chemistry and culture and everything like that. And I asked Zach Lyman about this earlier in his press or press earlier today, talked about XM did this culture and the togetherness that this team has, did that have any impact on, on what they did today by not making a trade? He said, absolutely, that they explored different things today, but when they looked at guys that they were possibly going to bring in they always viewed it through how would this guy fit in this locker room does he think do did they think that they would fit with these guys in the culture would they come in and kind of try to try to buck the trend so to speak and be different than, than what's going on here and, and and this team like i said is something special like you see the, the walk-off interviews 
I mean, you had Xavier Tillman's not even dressed out tonight. He's in a walkout interview coming up there with Desmond Bain. You got uh, Tripp coming in there. I mean, you have in the, the post-game press the other night, you have DeAnthony Melton calling in, talking to, to Jared Jackson Jr. and Brennan Clark. It, it's just a different mentality. I think this goes from the front office to the coaching staff to the players to the ball boys. Everybody's on one accord. Everybody seems to just have this love affair with one another and rooting for each other to do well. And I think that's what set this team apart from – from a lot of other teams, that's just something that you don't see. People talk about it all the time, but with this team, that's real. Definitely, definitely. And, and in fact, I'd say too, you know, we, we haven't even seen the best version of this team either. And so I think I think that is, is sort of something that solidifies that for me, that this team is just it's just better. Is Dylan Brooks, you know, you're you're I think he's still the is he still the second highest scorer on the team and you know, best perimeter defensive player. I mean, he he's a great. Uh, he's really the heart and soul of this team, and he hadn't even really played all all season. I mean, I think the starting lineups played maybe seven games, started seven yeah. games together. I think it's seven games, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so it, it just goes to show that I mean, the sky really is the limit. You know, it, it might be a hyperbolization, or some people might think it is, but I think this is one of the best teams in the league, to be honest. And uh, I, I think there are a few minor things that they could do to you know be better to compete with the the Suns. I think free throw shooting is probably a, a point of the improvement for them for sure and I definitely think if they if they shoot from the three better that might make them a little a little better off in the playoffs but you know I think this team can compete with anybody and I'm, I'm I know the grit and grit, grit and grind days were, were great and because they wear you down on defense they could compete with anybody but it's just a different different level to this team I think yeah I think the the reason that the like grit and grind and this Grizz next gen, the reason they can compete with these other teams, it, it's just two totally different. You know, like you say, you grit and grind, wear them down. You can break them down, and you can force them to play your style of basketball. The the Grizz next gen model, they're wearing them down, but not in the same way. They're wearing them down because they're running them to death. The, the Grizzlies generally outpace the teams that they play. And, and it's just – it's incredible to watch the amount of lobs that, that you know, I, I was at the game, uh, the Clippers game the other night, and it, it seemed like almost every other time the Grizzlies went down the floor, we were seeing a lob, and they, it, that was not the style that the grit and grind Grizzlies played with. So, you know, it's obviously a little more exciting. You get to see the, the flashiness. You know, I think the level of athleticism on the, the Grizz next-gen team is – far and away higher than what it was on that those grit and grind teams. Definitely. But actually I, I want to talk about Dylan Brooks and, and there's, there was a little bit of, of conversation on Twitter. Anthony Sane mentioned it. I, I want to see what, where you guys are with it. He mentioned that, that maybe Dylan Brooks comes off of the bench when he comes back and Zaire stays in the starting lineup. How do you guys feel about that? Are do you like, is that a possibility? Are you okay with Dylan coming off of the bench and keeping Zaire in the starting lineup, or do you feel like that's going to cause issues? I, 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 I saw that. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I saw that too. I, I you know, I, I think that 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 probably won't happen this year. I think that that's something that can happen in the long term. I think Zaire Williams just needs just a little bit more development. I, I think that might be the direction that the Grizzlies want to go in the long term, just with the reps that they've been giving Zaire. But you know, in my in my personal opinion, I I think that. Uh, that I think Dylan won the heart and soul of the team. Once again, he's got, he's your best perimeter in 
the uh, defensive player and his performance in the playoffs alone. I think you want him guarding the best player on the other team. And so he's got to start in order to do that. But, you know, long-term future, I, I can definitely see that happening. Yeah, I saw Thane Thane tweeted that out, and I was kind of, I was kind of surprised uh, that that he kind of had that take. I, I can't see that happening. I just think with the camaraderie that he's built with these guys, and him, like you said, kind of being a heart and soul of this team, and we know how Ja and and Jared and and, and Desmond and all these guys how they feel about Dylan Brooks and, and his coaching staff. He's been in the wars with the team actually the longest tenured member of this team right now. He's kind of the only one that's kind of there to kind of bridge that era. Uh, from from good and grind at the end of that to Grizz next gen, he's been in the playoffs with this team last year, and, and you're talking about a, a a guy that's a rookie. And I love what Zaire's done. I mean, we a lot of us were were pretty much to a man. Uh, we're, we're kind of upset with the pick when they moved up to ten. Didn't think that was the guy they should have taken. And early in the season, he looked like that. He looked like a a deer in the headlights, and he had the injury where he set out. And, and he talked about how the game he watched from the sideline. The game kind of slow down for him and you could just see the improvement and, and shout out to King Kleiman because I mean again he hit another home run I think the, the sky's the limit for Zaire and as Candace said I think into the future that might be something that we see but right now I, I can't see that happen going down the stretch you're going to need Dylan's defense like you said on the, the best teams perimeter the other team's best perimeter player you're going to need that in the playoffs and he's going to need those reps because he's been out for the majority of the season even before then he had stints out I think he had two COVID stints where he was out and then another injury, I think, early in the season where, where he didn't play at the beginning of the year. They, he's going to need all the reps he can get, and I think he's going to be inserted back in the starting lineup. We'll see if that happens as soon as he comes back. We'll see. They might bring him along slowly, bring him out the bench. But I think when we get into the playoffs and down the stretch to late in the season, I think Dylan Brooks is going to be in that starting lineup besides John Desmond Bain, Jared, and Stephen Adams. And, and just to piggyback off that point, um, just one other thing that I think that kind of solidifies Dylan's spot is, you know, th- this team is not ha- or has not been this season a good half-court offense. And so I think Dylan can really help you with some of that isolation play. He can create yeah. his own shot. And I think they really need that in, in the playoffs when the game slows down and they can't get out and run as much as they normally can in the regular season. I, I don't think Zaire is going to be able to give you that in the playoffs at this point. Yeah, great, great point. Yeah, yep, I agree with that. I think one one of the um, one of the conversations that kind of branched off from that, uh, you know, Dylan had mentioned in years past that he had an issue coming off the bench behind certain guys. But I, yeah, I Garrett Temple is, is the guy that he mentioned. Yeah. I remember just name yeah. name. That was like weird. Like he just came out of nowhere with that in that rest of. And it, like his facial expression and everything, <laughs> yeah. like you, you you could tell <laughs> how he felt about it. But with the chemistry of this team, if that's something that this coaching staff went to Dylan about, they're like, hey, you're going to come off of the bench not to take a a lower minutes role. You're still going to have your minutes. You're going to be in the closing lineup. But we need that person coming off of the bench that can be that scoring spark, and we want that to be you. You're still going to – be guarding the the other team's best player where you're, when you're on the floor. You're still going to be playing 30-plus minutes a night, but we need you to come in and be the gunner in the second unit. I don't think that Dylan's going to have an issue with that. I feel like I, I know that, that you know, like his mindset and, and just the way that he approaches the game, that you wonder if, if that's going to be an issue, but I just feel like the way that this team is built – 
And you talked about it earlier, you know, from the, the stinking ball boys from bottom to top, you know, Steve-O, when he checked out for the last time tonight, he's walking <laughs> off the floor and just gives Taylor Jenkins a huge hug yeah. and, and Jenkins is hugging you back. And you just don't see that. So I think that these guys are going to be willing to be pliable and kind of flex to whatever this coaching staff wants to do because they believe in the coaching staff and they know that the coaching staff believes in them. And, and kind of off topic a little bit where you talk about that hug between Stephen Adams and Taylor Jenkins, man, when you saw that, you realize how big Taylor Jenkins is. Like I had never, yeah. I mean, I've been next to the guy and I didn't realize he's a big dude. Cause I mean, yeah. he, he did like Stephen Adams dwarfs most people when he's up. I mean, he didn't dwarf Taylor Jenkins at all, man. That's, kind of made you realize how, how big he was. But back to your point on, on Dylan Brooks, if they went to him and asked him that, I think he could possibly accept their role, I don't, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think they're going to ask him to come off the bench. I just think he means so much to this team, heart and soul-wise, and you talk about the perimeter defense. Your best perimeter defense, defensive player, you go in the playoffs, man, you, you're not going to have that guy coming off the bench. You need him in the beginning of the game to, to check that opposing team's best player. I just don't think that's how it's going to work out. I mean, I think Zaire is going to get his minutes because from, from game one, even when it didn't appear that he should be playing or in a rotation, they stuck with their guns. And, I, and I've uh, applauded them for that all throughout the year because it's definitely paid off and paying dividends now because if they hadn't done that, I don't think you'd see the Zaire out there that we're seeing right now. But if, if again, if they went to him and asked him that, with how close unit, how knit this team is, I think that he would possibly get on board with it. I just don't think that's going to be the direction that they go. What moment was it that you realized, okay, they are all in on Zyra Williams? Obviously, they draft him, you know that. But there was a specific moment in the season for me where I was like, okay, they are really investing in this kid. What was that moment for you? Well, well, for me, I, I'd say is when they started him against Golden State when they had him guarding Steph. Yeah, I mean, there were there were moments before that that I said, man, they they were really sticking to him. Um, even when like like Isaac said, he was struggling <laughs> quite a bit there uh, early on, and I said, man, I guess they're committed to it. But it, it wasn't until they they put him on Steph and Curry, I I, I said, wow, <laughs> they, they they must see a bright future. So that that was that moment for me. Yeah, I, I think that's the same same one because a lot of people in that game was asking why was he in the game. There's no way you're gonna have Sire Williams guarding Steph Curry go into that game, and <laughs> lo and behold, we get to the game, and that's exactly what we got, and didn't, didn't do a bad job at it at that time. But I think coming back from the injury and the fact that they still stuck with it because there was kind of some thought that when he came back from injury, maybe they would kind of slide his minutes back, and maybe they wouldn't play him. Might not be a member. Uh, part of the rotation kind of the way he was for injury. And that wasn't the case at all, man. It came right back. It was right back in the rotation. I think a couple games starting again, maybe even started the first game he came back. I can't exactly remember what happened there, but it wasn't long if, if he didn't start that first game for him to be back in the starting lineup. So uh, I, I just think, and again, I think this front office, or in front office, in this coaching staff, when it comes to developing players, I think they might be the best in the league. Um, and that's one of the the, the things that I'm so encouraged by about this team when they bring guys in here, young guys, when they draft guys, they're going to let them sink or swim. A lot of teams probably would have sent Zaire down to the G League. A guy coming in that raw, he hasn't played one game, hasn't been sent down to the hustle at all uh, yeah. this season. I mean, they were 100% committed. This is our guy. We moved up to get him. We wanted him. This is a guy that we wanted for a couple of years, been watching. We took him at 10. We're going to play him like he was the 10th pick in the draft. And, and that's what they've done. And again, I think 
the sky's the limit. You just see the length, uh, getting him getting in passing lanes, what he can do. He's knocking down the corner three. As David said, 37% rate. He always always let, lets me know that every time he knocks one down. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, he's even – he was hitting the wing three tonight uh, from, from the corner. I mean, he's developing his game. Because early in the season, it was just all that corner three. Now he's taking guys off the dribble, getting into the paint. Of course, he's catching a lot from Ja. We've definitely seen a lot of advancement in this game. And, again, I think he's going to get minutes in the playoffs. I think it'll be out the bench. But I think that's valuable time for him. And you just look at what hap- what's happened with this team. There's been Bain's improvement from year one to year two, which you got for Zaire. And I think that those two things specifically possibly kind of changed this front office's mentality. Like, you look at the trade deadline today, they didn't make a move. If those two things hadn't happened, they might have felt like they needed to make a move. I think Zaire's development, it kind of unlocked and kind of changed the course for this team to make them feel like they didn't need to make a move, especially on the wing, because it's kind of been this this theory and the thought over the narrative over the last couple of years that when they make a move, they're going to go out and get a get a wing. And, and I don't think they were in a rush to do that. There still could be the, be the case going forward, because we'll see what happens with, with Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain and Zaire Williams. I think at some point that's going to come to a head and they got to make a decision there. But right now, I think Desmond Bain's development and Zaire Williams' development throughout the season I think possibly kind of changed their idea going into the trade deadline. I'm 100% agree. I think that's the that's the number one reason uh, is, is seeing Zaire's progression. Uh, I mean, because I think they have what they need. They saw the pieces, they saw the development, and they they're counting on him to continue to grow. Like they've seen him grow. You know, by the time they get to the playoffs, he'll be ready to go. Uh, well, maybe not ready to go per se, but he'll be ready to really contribute to to the team in a way that like Tillman was able to contribute and, and Bain was able to contribute as rookies and they genuinely contributed to the play in uh tournament with beating the Golden State Warriors and and even in Utah Jazz they 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 had some significant minutes and some significant moments I think so I think they're counting on Zaire Williams doing the same thing. Yeah because honestly I was real sorry. Honestly I didn't I didn't expect that from when they took him this year. I thought this would just kind of be a, a quasi red shirt year that he'd get minutes here and there. But I definitely didn't think he'd be playing rotation minutes and he'd be a guy that we'd be sitting here in February talking about possibly getting minutes in the playoffs. And, and I think that is the case. That's uh, I think they'll have faith in him because of the, the minutes that he's gotten during the regular season, the game for me, the moment for me that I realized, okay, they're all in on this kid was in November at Utah. He was in the closing lineup in a close yeah. game. I remember that. I'm like, yep. Man, why is Kyle Anderson not in this game? Why is Kyle Anderson on the bench? And why is Zaire Williams in this closing lineup? And he done well. They they ended up winning the game with him in that closing lineup. And I was like, okay, this is going to pay dividends for them down the road. And, and you're seeing it, you know, as he continues to progress throughout this season. It's it's incredible what this coaching staff has been able to do. And and I don't. I don't know how many times I've said this on this show, but I'll, I'll say it a million times. The best version of this team is only going to happen if we see Zaire Williams reach his potential. Yeah, I can yeah, agree with that. I agree. Well, I, I think we pretty well we, – we, we branched off from the game. We had a lot of great conversation <laughs> here. Is there anything else in the game that you want to, to go over before we get out of here, man? Yeah, man, a couple things I'll touch on. Uh, John Morant tonight with – 23 points, four rebounds, six assists, a steal, seven to 17 from the field, two of eight from three, uh, seven of nine from the free throw line. So you like that a little bit better from the strike tonight. 30 minutes, 
plus 15, um, only, only 23 points tonight. And, and that's saying, saying a lot. When you went with Jaw, you're saying only 23. Um, he wasn't – and you could tell. I think that's another one of the reasons kind of different tonight than what we've seen. It was a real kind of window into to kind of their thinking tonight. He wasn't super aggressive tonight like you usually see him. I think he just kind of felt like, uh, again, like everybody else felt in this game, that they could just kind of come out there and play a little bit. They would end up winning the game, which ended up being true. And he still ended up with 23 points and, and, a, and a great line, but he wasn't like super job trying to take over, forcing anything tonight. He just kind of took a little offense when he got it, got to the free throw line, got fouled. Uh, and again, one positive out of this game is Taylor Jenkins wasn't Nick Nurse tonight, man. A lot, a lot of light minutes yeah. for guys, man. Jaw only played 30. I think that's the most. Yeah, that was the most out of anybody on the team. I think Desmond Bain second with 28. You go down from there. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. 24. Stephen Adams 26. Zaire, 22, and guys off the bench, BC with 20, uh, Kyle got 26, Ty is 17, Conchar 20, Melton 23. Uh, so, I mean, they really did a good job of distributing the minutes tonight. I mean, and that's what you want to do in a game where you heavily favor like this. You don't want to have to have guys playing major minutes and to keep, and to keep everybody pretty much at 30 and under. That's a, a good thing. We, me and David have talked about Nick Nurse where he has guys out there for an hour of basketball. I think that was like a – the double overtime game, triple overtime yeah, game, guys with 55 minutes, yeah. 56 minutes. I'm like, what is going going on, man? You're going to kill these guys. I know David made the point today about uh, Porzingis. If he had got trade, traded to Toronto, that Nick Nurse is going to kill that guy, man. Yeah, but he, he he doesn't mind playing guys' minutes. But again, man, he just kind of like to see those light minutes tonight from guys. And they get a day off, um, and, and you got a 6 p.m. game on Saturday. Against the Hornets, I think that's kind of the, the toughest game of this trip. We know the curse with, with New Orleans. I mean, actually continuing into this year. It was early in the season when the Grizzlies were struggling, but they did lose that game to the Pelicans. But I got a feeling that kind of that, that ends on Tuesday night. I think this is a different Grizzlies team, and I think they finally get over the hump and beat that Pelicans team. For whatever reason, they just haven't been able to do it. Even when the Pelicans had half their roster out, I think one game last year still came in here and like blew the Grizzlies out, I think, yeah. by 26. <laughs> and just, just couldn't beat that team, but I think that ends on Tuesday night. Man, I, I hope so. I, I really, really hope so. That that's uh, Achilles' heel. Uh, I don't know what it is. What, whatever you want to like, Maybe it, the, it, the voodoo it. from New Orleans, man. I don't. I don't know what it is, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it, something weird with it for sure. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up, Candace. We appreciate you coming on with us, and I look forward to you yeah, coming back. On. Hope it happens sooner rather than later. Let yeah, it's been a pleasure. Know where they can find you, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. You guys be on the lookout. Sports Ethos, you know that we changed from HootBall to Sports Ethos because we are expanding. Candace is going to be our team coverage girl for the Seattle Seahawks. So once the football side of things start rolling here at Sports Ethos, be on the lookout for that podcast. Before that happens, though, we're going to uh, have her on this show as much as we can. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys. And I guess I'll just uh, sum up my thoughts here. And I'm just going to say back when this when the season first started and we first traded for a uh, traded away JV, uh, I wouldn't have thought that we'd be sitting here at the trade deadline and that the fan base the majority would be happy that we had made a move. And I think that's a testament to this team and everything that's special um, with the Grizzlies this year. So um, you can find me on at Seahawks 901. That's C is in cat Hawks 901. And uh, you can get your Grizzlies and Seahawks coverage if you care. The coverage on there, uh, <laughs> I cover the game. I cover both teams. Uh, passionate about both. And uh, again, it's been a pleasure talking basketball with you guys. Yep. 
Yeah, th- thanks again. I am on Twitter at David W2111. I still want to say my Twitter handle every time that I start <laughs> and I stumble with it. But you know what it is, David W2111. The show is at Ethos Grizzlies. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. Special thanks again to Candace for, for jumping on here and joining us, man. Definitely enjoyed your insight. Definitely hope to have you on again in the future whenever, man. It, it, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you. And again, love to see passionate people uh, passionate about this franchise um, and, and welcome to Sports Ethos, man. We're glad to glad to have you aboard and we definitely look, even though I'm a Cowboys fan, we'll look forward to your, your Seahawks <laughs> coverage and definitely choose everybody to check that out. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, I-S-A-H-T underscore Rivals. Again, the Grizzlies will be back uh, on the floor, on the road, man. Road Warriors taking on Hornets 6 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, we'll be back for the post game. So make sure you tune in for that. And until next time, we go. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.